0: The Old Testament lesson for today is from Genesis chapter 4, verses 1 through 16. This can be found on page 4 of your Pew Bible. This passage offers a brief record of Adam and Eve's two sons, Cain and Abel, and describes the tragic impact of sin on their lives. A reading from Genesis chapter 4, beginning with the first verse. Now Adam knew Eve his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again, she bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was keeper of sheep, and Cain was a worker of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry and his face fell. The Lord said to Cain, why are you angry and why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. Cain spoke to Abel, his brother. And when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, "'Where is your brother Abel?' He said, "'I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper?' And the Lord said, "'What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. And now you are cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it shall no longer yield to you its strength. You shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth.'" Cain said to the Lord, "'My punishment is greater than I can bear.'" Behold, you have driven me today away from the ground, and from your face I shall be hidden. I shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth, and whoever finds me will kill me. Then the Lord said to him, Not so. If anyone kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord put a mark on Cain, lest any who found him should attack him. Then Cain went away from the presence of the Lord and settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. May God add his blessing to the reading of his holy word. When I was a child,
1: I often visited my grandparents' house and I would play with the neighbor's kids. And one day, a friend of mine brought a brand new battery-operated toy car. You know one of those kiddie toys that kids can actually ride on? Back then, those toy cards were so expensive and so rare, it was actually hard to see a kid with it. I remember all the kids in the block were gushing over my friend's new shiny car, and everyone was asking for a ride. Well, my friend's mother said to us, okay, each of you can take a turn driving the car, but just don't bring any food and drinks with you. So by the time my turn came around, I had forgotten her warning, and I brought my juice with me. And you can guess what happened. Within a few minutes of driving the car, I spilled my juice all over the floor of this car, and it stopped moving. I was mortified that I had broken this expensive car, and I did the honorable thing that most kids would do in that situation. I ran for the hills. I fled from the scene of the crime, and I hid in my grandparents' house, waiting for my friend's mother to bang on the door, demanding retribution. But a few hours went by, and nothing happened. And several days went by, and nothing happened. And I thought, hey, maybe I got away with it, and I'm off the hook. But then, one day, unexpectedly, I was at the grocery store, and I ran into my friend's mother. And I was ashamed. Here I thought, okay, she's gonna expose me in front of my parents, tell them what I did, and she's gonna demand the money to replace that car. And so I was expecting her to lay down the law, and instead, she smiled. And she said to me, why did you run off that day? You know, you could have just told me what happened. We fixed the car, so you can come again and play. I was surprised by her response. Here I was, expecting judgment, and instead, she gave me mercy And invited me back into her home. Whether we recognize it or not, sometimes we do this with God. We fall into sin and we expect the worst. We run and hide from God instead of running to him. We expect judgment and condemnation. But God in his love shows us mercy. And in today's text, we're going to read about the story of the children of the first human couple, Adam and Eve, and discover that the apple didn't fall far from the tree. They and the rest of humanity will follow in their footsteps as a result of the fall. And yet, while sin is rampant, God's mercy will prevail, Let's read about what happens to these two siblings, Cain and Abel, in Genesis chapter 4, starting with the third verse. Now, in the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground, and Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry, and his face fell. Now, I have to admit that when I first read this text, I was a little troubled. If God is good and fair, why would he show regard for one person's offering over another? Wouldn't that be like a parent favoring the gift of one child over the other? It would stir up jealousy, envy, and strife amongst the children, This is a challenging text for us to read. But Moses, the author of Genesis, doesn't give us a reason as to why God had regard for Abel's offering over Cain. Now some theologians believe that there is an unwritten part of the story and that God could have established requirements for offering long before in the Garden of Eden during the fall when he made clothing out of animal skins for Adam and Eve. And that for whatever reason, Cain did not follow those instructions. Others argue that it's because Abel presented a better offering, which the author of Hebrews seemed to claim in chapter 11, verse 4. He says, By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, the which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts. Now that word acceptable in Greek translates as greater in quality, superior, far more excellent. There's a subtle distinction here that's mentioned in Genesis four verse four that Abel brought the fat portions of the firstborn of his flock. So in other words, he gave his very best to God. So the issue may not be so much in the type of offering as it was the posture of the heart of the person giving the offering. It pleases God when we give him our best, regardless of what it is. We don't give begrudgingly or simply because we have to, for God loves a cheerful giver. Well, that wasn't the case for Cain, and he grew angry. And God says to him in verse 6, Why are you angry, and why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. Now imagine with me for a moment that if the enemy of our souls was like a lion lurking outside of our front door, waiting for an opportunity, waiting for something or someone to offend us so that it could grab a hold of us. We would be much more attentive to the thoughts that enter into our mind, wouldn't we? If we knew that the devil was right outside our door waiting to pounce. You know, I believe that God was being merciful when he asked Cain, why are you angry? And why has your face fallen? Like a good friend who recognizes when something is off, and calls to check in on you, God was checking in on Cain because he was angry. And anger in itself is a normal, and at times, a healthy human emotion. Sometimes you need anger. Think about righteous anger that rises up when you see evil and injustice in the world. It motivates you to act and to fight against the evil that you're confronted with. There is a place for that kind of anger. The kind that rises up to serve and to fight for the good of others. But when anger is centered on self, it can lead to sin. It doesn't serve anyone else but yourself. You don't want to back down You think you're right and the other person's wrong. And you feel entitled to your beliefs and your feelings. When anger goes out of control, it can become harmful and destructive to us and to the people around us. In the heat of anger, we can destroy the people we love and everything that we've worked so hard to build. That's why in Ephesians 4, verse 26, Paul says, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Now what Paul is saying here is that it's okay to be angry, but it's not okay to stay angry because it gives an opportunity for the devil to get a hold of us. Anger is like a welcome mat for sin. To enter into our hearts, sins like unforgiveness, apathy, bitterness, and resentment. When we don't yield our anger to God, we yield it to the devil. Anger is not neutral. We can either submit ourselves to God or to the enemy of our souls. And if we give the enemy an inch, he will take a mile. You see, Cain's decision to murder his brother did not happen overnight, but it most likely took place over a course of time. It probably began with a simple thought like, well, what's so special about him? What has he got that I don't got? I believe that what Cain was experiencing was an identity crisis. He had forgotten who he was, a child of God created in the image of God, and he had forgotten that his brother was also created in that same image of God. Over time, thoughts of comparison and envy eventually grew into anger and hatred until one day he acted out on what had been built up in his heart, and he murdered his brother. Sin was crouching at the door, And eventually got a hold of Cain, and he was judged for it. Let's pick it up starting in verse 9. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel, your brother? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord said, What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground, and now you are cursed from the ground which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it shall no longer yield to you its strength. You shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. Imagine Cain standing over the lifeless body of his brother after striking him down. The soil beneath Abel drenched with blood. The earth that bore fruit for Cain was now receiving the life of an innocent man. I wonder what was going on in Cain's mind when he realized what he had done. The blood of his brother crying out from the ground, Murderer! Justice! Vengeance! Sheer panic and terror could have gripped him he might have fled from the scene of the crime expecting judgment. And when God confronts him, this is how he responds to God in verse 13. My punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, you have driven me today away from the ground, and from your face I shall be hidden. I shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth, and whoever finds me will kill me. Cain recognizing the extent of his sin is overcome with guilt and shame. Instead of running to God, he's running away from God, and he sentenced himself with a worse fate than what God had laid. Not only would he be he a wanderer, not only would he be driven away from God's presence, but he believed that the same thing would happen to him, what he did to his brother. An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, a life for a life. Now how often do we do this as believers? When we fall into sin, we condemn ourselves and expect the worst. Instead of running to God, we run and hide away from God in our sin. But listen to how God responds to Cain in verse 15. Then the Lord said to him, not so. If anyone kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord put a mark on Cain, lest any who found him should attack him. Even in the midst of judgment, God showed mercy towards Cain. Now, throughout this whole time in Genesis 4, God pours out his mercy over and over again. He initially shows mercy by asking Cain why he's angry, and he calls him to do what's right. When Cain does not heed God's warning and kills his brother, God shows mercy again by drawing near to him and asking about his brother, giving him one last chance to come clean and to repent. And finally here, in verse 15, God shows mercy by putting a mark on Cain to protect him from other evildoers that wanted to harm him. You know, it's amazing that in the midst of sin and judgment, God never stopped showing mercy to Cain. Even though he was a murderer, God still loved him. He never stopped showing mercy to a sinner like Cain, and he never stopped showing mercy to sinners like us. Ultimately, the full extent of God's mercy is displayed on the cross through the sacrifice of his own son. Jesus took upon himself the judgment and wrath that sin brought. His blood flowed from his wounds for our sake. Remember in the Garden of Gethsemane? In his anguish, his sweat became like drops of blood as it fell to the ground. When Jesus was arrested and flogged, his blood flowed again. When the crown of thorns was placed on his head, his blood flowed. And there, hanging on the cross, Jesus' blood flowed for the final time, covering the sins of the world. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 24, it says, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. Both Abel and Jesus were innocent men whose blood was shed, Abel's blood cried out from the ground for justice and vengeance, but the blood of Jesus cried out from the ground for forgiveness and mercy. Whose blood do you want to speak for you? You know, I find it interesting that when we feel like we're the ones being wronged, we want justice and retribution, We want the blood of Abel. We want our enemies to pay for what they've done. But if the tables turned and we were the ones who were accused of wrongdoing, we would not want the blood of Abel. But we would want the blood of Jesus, mercy, and forgiveness. And if we're really honest with ourselves, we are not that much different from Cain. Just because we didn't Murder somebody does not mean that we're off the hook. Listen to these words from Jesus in Matthew chapter 5, verse 21 to 22. You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder. And anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Has anyone here ever been angry at someone? Yeah, I know I have. You know, several years ago, if you were to ask me if I had anger towards anyone, I would have said no. Ever since I was a kid, I never acknowledged that I had anger. I never verbalized it or acted out on it, mostly because the repercussion for doing so was severe, and it was also not really a safe place for me to express those type of emotions. And so I learned to stuff it down. I pretend and ignored that it was there at all. Until one day, God exposed it. For years, I had prayed and believed God for physical healing. But God did not heal me in the way I thought he would. I went through tests, biopsies, surgeries that emotionally scarred me as a young woman. It was a very difficult time. And I remember one day, after a discouraging hospital visit, I completely lost it. And so I drove to an empty parking lot, and I let God have it. I yelled, I cried, I said a few choice words. Deep beneath my pain and disappointment was anger that I had never accessed up to that point. I was angry that I had absolutely no control over what was going on in my life. I expected God to move a certain way, and when he didn't, I was deeply hurt and offended. I believed the lie from the enemy that God didn't love me or care about me. I went at it in that car for probably over an hour, just yelling and screaming, until I wore myself out and fell asleep out of sheer exhaustion. And When I woke up, I felt so guilty for what I had just did. It was the lowest point of my faith journey. And I thought to myself, well, I guess this is it. God's gonna blot out my name from the book of life now, I'm going to be cast away. But just as I was thinking the worst, my spiritual mom called me on the phone. And I explained to her about my discouraging hospital visit and all that happened. And you know what she said to me? She said, oh, honey, you're going to be fine. You have a prophetic destiny to fulfill. God's not letting go of you. There was something about the way she said those words, so full of faith as if it was a matter of fact, and it brought such comfort and reassurance to my soul. You see, looking back, I realized just how healing it was for me in that moment to release my anger. I expected God to judge me for it and to drive me away from his presence, but instead, He pulled me in closer, met with me in my ugliest moment, pouring out his mercy. Friends, the blood of Jesus speaks a much better word than the blood of Abel. We have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We deserve judgment, and yet God took on the punishment of our sins and gave us mercy instead. The blood of Jesus still speaks today. It's declaring forgiveness, mercy, healing, and restoration over sinners, over the broken, over you, and over me. So as we close, I wanna invite you to take a moment and ask the Holy Spirit the areas where you need the blood of Jesus to speak for you today. Perhaps you're also dealing with disappointment or anger towards someone, towards God, or even at yourself. Give that anger to God. He is big enough and safe enough to deal with our pain. Anger is actually part of the grief process and can be very healing, as it was for me. Or perhaps there's something else that you're dealing with today. Whatever it is, just bring it before God and let the Holy Spirit minister to you. Unlike Abel, Jesus is not dead, but he is alive. And his blood still speaks to us today. Thanks be to God.